first thing in the morning. It's first thing on WJR. Here's Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. All right. It is primary eve on the Democrat side. It's Joe Biden versus uncommitted. And on the Republican side, Nikki Haley will be on the ballot despite losing the South Carolina primary in her home state. Let's call it 60-40. There's a couple of percentage points or fractions of percentage points one one way or another let's call it 60 40 is she doing this now just to be a thorn in trump's side and irritate him i mean you lost in your home state girl i know well afterwards she said that between now and super tuesday which is march 5th there's going to be 21 states including us who are going to have their primary and those states deserve to have a choice which which i agree with in 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 principle but in real world application, um, like you said, she she's over however many primaries. She lost her home state, and um, you know, at a certain point, you know, who's benefiting from it? At a certain point, are the donors going to keep giving her 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 money? And so, I, I think her goal is to get to Super Tuesday, and then obviously, if if it's a sweep on Super I, Tuesday, I, there's there's absolutely no, you know, the math just doesn't work she out. She does still have some donors hanging on, and that's what's blowing my mind. I think I read that she raised a million dollars over the weekend. I mean, here's my here's my other thing. Maybe she knows something we don't. Maybe she's hanging in there in the event that somehow Donald Trump is disqualified from running with all his trials yeah. and tribulations. But you can still service president as a convicted felon so i don't know what that would mean so yeah. um but but what a country <laughs> yeah only in america <laughs> but it, you know something interesting that's been happening over the weekend republicans are are scrambling including donald trump um speaking out against this uh ivf ruling in alabama well not not directly but being very vocal about preserving access to in vitro fertilization treatments after the Alabama Supreme Court ruled that human embryos are the same thing legally as as a child, causing a lot of IVF clinics in the state to suspend operations because, you know, they're not sure if, if, if they could face criminal or civil consequences for, for destroying embryos. Now, this actually stems from a, a case back in 2020. Someone came into an IVF clinic through an unsecured door and destroyed some embryos. One of the couple, couples who had their embryos destroyed, they sued the clinic and it made it all the way up to the Supreme Court, and they made this decision. Now, I, I think there 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 has to be another law where this couple could be made whole because obviously they're a victim, right? Their their hopes and dreams were dashed of IVF, and and the clinic was negligent. However, to go to this extreme, um, it. You know, it, Republicans are freaked out because they remember what happened with the overturning of, of Roe versus Wade. And honestly, you know, this this staunch pro-life ruling is actually going to prevent a lot of babies from being born because essentially it's backfiring. Yeah, you, you have a whole state who, you know, who, who can't. Uh, you know, participate in the the practice of IVF, and so now there's just all these embryos being frozen in limbo that that can't be implanted or fertilized because everyone is so afraid of legal repercussions. Well, the, the rules have become so extreme that it's backfiring on themselves. So right. here we are. Yeah, and this is why it can't be black and white. Right, and, and I mean, 
you know, even even I mean, Nikki Haley came out and she said that she believed that that embryos are the same as babies. And she kind of stepped in it and she had to kind of walk it back. But, you know, I, I think it's smart of these Republicans to to, to come out here because you're right. There need there, there's a lot of nuance that's, that that's lacking in today's politics and, and, and public policy. Common sense. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, an embryo, it, it's it's not a fetus yet. Right. Right. And and so I would agree with that. Yeah. And, and so I, I think, uh, you know, the Alabama Supreme Court, they saw an opportunity to, to put in place some very pro-life uh, policies and procedures. But as an uh, as a result, now there's going to be a, a lot of life that that's that's not going to happen because, um, you know, IVF in the state of Alabama is up in the air. Well, what, as an IVF clinic, how do you not feel this way? Right. Well, and that's why, you know, the biggest hospital system in Alabama, along with a, a lot of IVF clinics, they, they just said, we, we, we're, we're in a holding pattern until we figure what's going on. So now there's a lot of parents out there or, or, or you know, people who want to be parents who are in limbo and they put a lot of money and they put a lot of emotional energy into this. And, and, and now it's just a big question yeah. mark. I've had a lot of friends that have gone through IVF and it is not a cheap procedure. No. And it's not guaranteed either. No, it's not. So we'll see. Hopefully um, some higher court overturns that and there's some kind of compromise. Um, AT&T is issuing rebates uh, after that uh, outage that happened last week. Yeah, they said they're going to issue credits to customers impacted by the outage. The company said that the outage appeared to be caused by a technical glitch, not a cyber attack. It wasn't a test run for the apocalypse. It wasn't? Nope. That would have been way cooler. That's what the lamestream media wants you to think. (laughs) Right. The company also said that it would automatically credit impacted customers for the average cost of a full day of service on their bills, which is about... $5. $5. Yeah, don't spend it all in one place. Yeah, they didn't give a timeline either for when those credits will be issued. I'm guessing it's just going to come off your bill. Probably, Probably. right? I, I mean, $5 is, is is one day of service. Depends on your plan, right? I mean, look, I respect this. If you can't use your, your service, you shouldn't have to pay for it. And they're giving you a full day when technically it was out for a half day. But if, if this be, if this becomes like a normal thing, I don't think $5 is enough. But at this point... I, I'm fine with it. I don't know. I think they should have done a little more because there's so many people that rely on their phone. Like, yeah. like, like you, you, Mike, you said, I can't go DoorDash today. Right. So you lost out on more revenue than $5. The poor become poorer. Dang it, AT&T. Yeah, yeah right. I had to and go. And the hungry get hungrier. I, I, I had to go strip <laughs> copper wiring from any building I could find. And then it wasn't even copper. He's not very good at this. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bad criminal. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Amara Glenn, the 11-year-old girl who was shot in the head when two assailants pulled up in front of a house on the east side and fired off over 20 rounds last week while she slept in the front room. She She's died. She was taken off life support. Three men were charged in the shooting while Glenn was still on life support. 18-year-old uh, Takari Turner, 20-year-old Robert Lee Turner Jr., and 19-year-old Nasir Levant. On multiple counts on Friday, and I'm sure mo- murder charges will now be added now that there's yeah. that. Um, Turner and Garrett, they were the assailants who pulled the trigger, and the house was the target of a similar attack in December. And um, like we said when it happened, there was a lot of people in that house. What was a child doing sleeping in the front row room of uh, of a house that was shot up a couple of uh, of months ago? So I, I think that the people inside the house are also going to be investigated. Rightfully so. 
the body of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny has been handed over to his mother. Earlier Saturday, Navalny's widow accused President Vladimir Putin of mocking Christianity by trying to force his mother to agree to a secret funeral after his death in an Arctic penal colony. Earlier Saturday, Navalny's widow said in a video that Navalny's mother was being literally tortured by authorities who had threatened to bury Navalny in the Arctic prison. They, she said, suggested to his mother that she didn't have much time to make a decision because the body is decomposing. His widow said on Saturday, give us the body of my husband. You've tortured him alive and now you keep torturing him dead. You mock the remains of the dead. And and because of Navalny's death, which I feel like everyone is in agreement, Putin's fingerprints are all over it. President Biden announced sanctions against 500 Russian businesses and individuals on Friday. The 500 Russian targets, they cannot access U.S. assets. They can't use American banks or do business with any American citizen or company. Um, all this happening while U.S. Qatari and Egyptian officials presented a new detailed outline for a hostage deal to Israeli negotiators during a meeting in Paris on Friday. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm not optimistic. Really weird story. An active duty member of the Air Force is in the hospital after setting himself on fire outside of the Israeli embassy yeah. in Washington, D.C. He was live streaming it on Twitch. He said he will no longer be complicit in genocide. Uh, and and there's got to be there's got to be some kind of safeguards against this for people live streaming. I don't know how you do that because you don't know. But I mean, we're we're just hearing story after story of people doing weird things like this, hurting themselves or others and live streaming it. That uh, that guy that posted that video of him de- decapitating his father. Well, yeah. Not of him decapitating, but holding it up. And yeah. Putting it on YouTube. And, yeah. It's yeah. it's kind of a Pandora's box. But let's and let's end with some good news. I'm sure everyone was woken up by that Amber Alert at 255 on Sunday morning. Um, the three-year-old who they put the Amber Alert out for was located safe. But the suspect is still on the loose. He's described as a black male, 45 to 50 years old, gray mustache, gray beard, five foot five to six foot, which is quite a range. Um, he was wearing a gray army type jacket, gray sweatpants, and a gray hoodie. If you have any information about him, call 1-800-SPEAK-UP or 911. But the important thing is the three-year-old uh, was found in the car safe and sound. Yes. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And we're heading into JR Morning. Lloyd Jackson's here. I'm here. Jamie Edmonds is here. Present. <laughs> uh, remember when they used to mispronounce the, that one kid's name in class? There was like... Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> A-Aaron? Yeah. A-Aaron. <laughs> uh, it's Aaron. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you done messed up. Anyway. Uh, guy, yeah. <laughs> guy is not here. He must still be sleeping off the uh, Salvation Army bed and bread radiothon that... Uh, we all took place in on Friday. 1.6 million, I think, we brought yeah. in. So That's amazing. Yeah. He and went he, back for the afternoon shift. He did. Yep. Yeah. He, Trooper. He loves that stuff. And, and I mean, it, it was my first Radiothon on air. Uh, Jamie, it was your first one with us. Lloyd, yeah. I don't know if you were I- involved in them. I uh, have. I've, first- I've been involved with them, but not as uh, a, a, the co-host of a, of the morning show, more so as a, as a news reporter, basically giving the updates on the tote board and talking to the uh, the volunteers who are on the phones and, you know, getting the calls in, you know, getting their stories as well. So that I was in that capacity as uh 
the following the last few years anyway. Yeah, and I knew it was going to be a great morning, but but it was it was an absolute blast. It yeah, really we're going to be talking to uh, Major Tony Durrell uh, this morning at seven forty nine. Oh, we nice. want to talk more about that, but. You know, the the stories, the people, I mean, it, it's just amazing. And thank you to our listeners who uh, called in and made those donations and and uh, really got us to that $1.6 million. That is a crazy amount of money. Well, <laughs> and the thing is, I, I mean, the fact that we can count on our listeners for at least a million dollars every time we do yeah. a, a radiothon, it, it, it's amazing. And it really is a, a testament to their generosity. And, you know, like they said, when you talk about the Salvation Army, the money goes directly to, it's not, not any overhead. It goes directly into these programs. And it's not just the bed and bread, which is what the Radiothon was for, but the bread and bread truck is kind of like the touch point to the community. And mm-hmm. they can help you get other wraparound services that the Salvation Army also provides. And that was the biggest eye-opener for me. I had no idea about all those additional services, that the counseling, legal services, medical it's it's so encompassing. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, Renee, you have a story here about a a novel approach that companies are using uh, to get people back to work in this never ending <laughs> push and pull between in person and remote work. Yeah, I don't know if this will work or not, but the Wall Street Journal says that some employers are pumping fragrances into workspaces to improve workers' moods. Uh, this isn't one magic scent that's doing the trick. They're creating custom blends. One company uses one that incorporates 35 different ingredients, including Asian Sambac Jasmine, I hope I'm saying that right, which is said to improve happiness and confidence, Indian sandalwood for alleviating anxiety, and Italian pine to fight fatigue. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it just be cheaper to let people continue working from home? Well, yeah. Yeah, right. And it then w- you're taking a chance, too. I mean, you don't know if somebody's, like, allergic to that stuff, you right. know, and it gets or through like there. Or, like, highly sensitive with smells, it, like right. I was during pregnancy. And I don't want I didn't want to smell anything at that <laughs> yeah. time. Exactly. I, I mean, that that could be so, the, you know, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but just overwhelming. Overwhelming. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. These, these companies will do everything other than just leaving people alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just I know. leave it be. You know what? You know what? You know what scent they should pump in. And I've been um, I've been pitching Bath and Body Works to make this the scent and candle for a long time. Okay, the Target candle. It smells like popcorn and Starbucks. <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> Instant serotonin boost as soon as you walk in. See, I feel that way about Costco. I okay. went to really? a brand new Costco. You went to the brand new, and I haven't been in that one yet. It yeah. is gorgeous, <laughs> and I just had the best time in Costco. And that might be hot dogs and, and the samples. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever the samples are. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what the 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 dollar fifty hot dog or whatnot would put put anyone in a in a in a great mood. It is, and it's a tasty hot dog too for a dollar fifty. Just so you know, you yeah. get the whole hook up there. Doesn't that include a drink? Too? Yes, it does. That's a deal. Yes, Quite a deal. You should go to lunch there. <laughs> let's go after we get off the air. Let's go. <laughs> I'm looking to I'm looking to to live broadcast from there. Yeah. So, uh, big day coming up on 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 Jr. Morning. Obviously, tomorrow we have this this primary. Um, and uh, you know what? I, I'm I'm really interested to see what the final numbers of people early in-person voting. I know it got off to a hot start last weekend. I kind of lost track of it, but but I'm wondering if that's going to change the way people campaign here in the state of Michigan, because it, it almost seems like coming in the day before yeah. is almost obsolete. It's almost too late. 
And I'm I'm also looking to see what this uncommitted vote yes. does too, because Rashida Tlaib, be of course, you know, wants that, and and you know, the governor has said, like, I don't really know what's going to happen. We just hope people don't do that, uh, and and that they exercise their vote um, and vote for a person as opposed to uncommitted. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think that that and and what's going to happen with these two dueling conventions on March 2nd are going to be (laughs) the most intriguing part of this primary, because obviously uh, Donald Trump, it's almost a foregone conclusion. We know Joe Biden's going to win the state, but by how much against uh, uncommitted, like you said, Lloyd, it's JR Morning coming up next. All right. It's primary eve. Nikki Haley will be on the ballot despite Donald Trump beating her in her own state. Uh, in the primary over the weekend, essentially a 60-40 split. Uh, Nikki Haley has vowed to stay in the race, saying between now and Super Tuesday, 21 states will have their primary and they deserve a chance. Mara Glenn, uh, the 11-year-old girl who was shot in the head when two assailants pulled up in front of a house on the east side and fired off over 20 rounds last week while she slept in the front room, has died after being taken off life support. Three men were charged in the shooting on Friday before Amara passed away, I'm sure. Um, murder charges will be added on to that. And some good news regarding that Amber Alert that may have woken you up around 2.55 on Sunday morning. Uh, the three-year-old who was missing uh, was located safe, but the suspect is still on the loose. It happened when a black 2006 Chrysler 300 was stolen from a gas station on Schoolcraft in Greenfield on Detroit's West side with the Tyler in the back. She was found unharmed inside the vehicle around 6 a.m. The suspect is still on the loose. Renee? Brian Barczyk, a Macomb County man known globally for his love of animals and life, and the owner of the Reptarium in Utica, sadly passed away from pancreatic cancer last month. And Brian posted an incredibly emotional goodbye message on YouTube, which was almost uh, like a virtual second home for him because that's where he shared his animal adventures and his vlogs and just a fun time to watch. Uh, This morning, we are joined by his wife, Lori Barczyk, who's also the co-owner and co-founder of the Reptarium and Legacy, to tell us more about Brian's incredible life, his passion, and the exciting way that his legacy and spirit will live on. Good morning. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm more than happy to to talk to you guys about Brian. He he definitely was an amazing person. Um, his passion for all all life, wildlife, and and all animals started when he was just a kid, um, driving his mom crazy. You know, <laughs> wanting to go to every zoo and and collect every animal he came across, every reptile, and and that just proceeded as as he got older. And and when I met him, he already had like a small collection in his mom's basement, and um, and then the two of us just you know together just you know, built an amazing collection that turned into being able to open the reptarium. You know, that was a dream he had since a child to have a reptile zoo. And so when the opportunity arose and we were able to do it, uh, you know, we we just jumped in and did it. And, and that, you know, the reptarium itself, we had no idea how amazing of, of a place this would turn into, which, which you know, led us to be able to expand and then now expand even more, you know, to, uh, yeah. And I mean, expanding is, is putting it mildly. I mean, that, that passion was so infectious that you guys are now up to 5 million subscribers on YouTube 
and uh, you guys have to you guys have to move to a bigger building across the street the the legacy aquarium which which is fitting because it really is Brian's legacy isn't it 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 really is and and, and honestly like we were going back and forth with names and and that's exactly kind of how it evolved into what it was mm. is that you know it it is you know it's his legacy it's our family legacy you know to be able to you know have this amazing place not only with reptiles but now you know all kinds of you know aquatic stuff like it's it's just going to be you know the the ultimate thing in the list of things we've done with that expansion what kind of different experiences will visitors get now yeah, so with, with the reptarium, we're all hands-on with everything reptiles. Um, now we're going to be able to add, you know, anything uh, aquatic to that. So you're going to, you know, he loved to say, you know, your hands are going to be wet from the moment you walk through the door <laughs> to the moment you leave. So, you know, obviously we've got all of our reptiles. We're, we've added new mammals um, into it too, but then a ton of different kinds of fish and, 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 and aquatic animals. It's it's really it's really going to be an insane you know immersive thing not just walking around looking you're going to be able to to touch and feed and and swim with stingrays and do all kinds of amazing experiences so uh when did you guys actually start working on this expansion oh gosh um so it was probably fall of 2022 when we actually decided yes this is what we're going to do um we we saw you know we were we were planning on trying to do a smaller version in the building that the reptarium is located and we the only way to do that was to build up Mm. so we were looking into doing that which was going to be a lot and pretty crazy when the building across the street became available and then that one was perfect because it was even bigger than what we had as well as with tons of parking which we've always struggled with here so it just kind of took a little 180 and and went that way yeah (laughs) turned even bigger you know we were able to make our vision even bigger than what it was going to be so it's all about timing you know and things happen for a reason we we've always believed that yeah and that building's the old saint vincent de paul building that's on van dyke between hall road and 21 mile um, you know, Lori, when you guys got Brian's diagnosis, w- was there a conversation about keeping what he started going? Was there ever a moment where you're like, OK, you, you know, you kind of doubted going on without him? Uh, you know, how 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 is that? Uh, how has that proceeded since? Yeah, I mean, honestly, that that's 100 percent, you know, when we because that came out of the blue, you know, we, we did not expect that. Um, and once that that whole thing just kind of sunk in there were serious conversations about you know what what should we do you know brian is brian and he he would never want to not move forward but i really did have to stop and think about it is 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 it the smartest thing to do um and you know we we talked about it we discussed it and then we both agreed you know what we're just gonna go for this you know because you know i'm not gonna lie we we had hope you know sure, that sure you know Lori, i never met brian personally but through his vlogs it feels like we all knew him and it seemed like every day was a good day in his world and i love that but you know him probably better than anyone so describe to us what made a great day for brian 
Um, a great day with Brian was any day he could, you know, be with his animals. You know, be with his animals, be able to share his passion, his love, his knowledge with other people. Um, ultimately, you know, that's what he loved. Obviously, you know, he also loved family and, and spending time with, with, with us and the grandkids too. But, but um, you know, his, like you said, you know, his passion for, for all living things and being able to mm-hmm. share that really is what, you know, pushed him every single day. Well, you know, I can't wait to check out Legacy when it opens. When is that expected to open? So we don't have an actual date yet. The way things are looking now is probably um, looking more uh, towards the middle to end of May. Um, You know, we've got a few key things that we can't, until we get until we get the exhibits in and we can't do you know dates uh fish are a whole different thing than reptiles as far as what they need and how long to get ready so we're we're rolling with the punches with with all of that but fingers crossed it definitely hoping to be open by the you know beginning of summer so well what's what are the best places to follow you guys so that people who are interested can can watch the, the the process and 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 know when it's uh, time to make the trip to the east side. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, our YouTube channel, which, you know, is just Brian Barchak. Uh, we have all the social media, so anything on Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok, all of the above, you can follow either, you know, Brian or the Reptarium and now also Legacy Aquarium, like all of those are combined together. Um, And we do a really good job of really updating all of all of those as far as if you want to follow, you know, the progression and we'll definitely be putting it out there once we for sure know like, okay, this is the open date. So yeah, and and (laughs) and that's Legacy, L-E-G-A-S-E-A, right? Yes, yes, that was the twist. We we originally started with just regular legacy, like leaving a legacy, right. and then you know somebody gave us, you know, it was just going back and forth, and we just love that idea with the little twist. So yes, and that's Barcheck B A R C Z Y K on YouTube, and uh, you know, talking to you, yeah. Lori, um, your son, I know he's carrying on the YouTube videos. Um, I think Brian's legacy is in very good hands. You know, he said in his final video that he won't be able to see the aquarium in person. But if you go there, his spirit will be there. And I have no doubt about that. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on and 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 best of luck. We'll see you. We'll see you when it's open. Even if I'm a little Sounds afraid great. of snakes, I'll, I'll, I'll tough it out. I'll tough it out. I'll hold your hand, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> That sounds great. Lori Barsek, the uh, Barcheck, I'm sorry, um, the owner, co-founder of the Reptarium, soon to be Legacy, uh, opening in May. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. Last week, Capital One and Discover announced plans to merge, which would make them the largest crediting and lending institution in the country. So what does it mean for consumers? And will it even pass regulatory scrutiny? Bankrate.com senior economic analyst Mark Hamrick breaks it down on JR Morning. It is a uh, mega buck all stock deal with Capital One. Acquiring Discover Financial Service, thirty-five and almost a half billion dollars, uh, giving a, a quite a leg up on the competitive credit card market. We know Americans are caring about one trillion in credit card debt, and does this mean a loss of competition? Mark Hamrick is senior economic advisor for Bankrate.com. Mark, good morning. Good to be with you. Thank you. 
So give us an assessment, and, and I assume that, that, like any acquisition, this is going to have, have to pass muster with the SEC. How, uh, how big is the potential for anti-competitiveness here that could drive up rates? Well, I would say that there's very serious chance that uh, regulators can block this, will block this, uh, as they've done in the airline industry of late. And this administration is very tough on antitrust concerns. What you have is the nation's sixth largest bank uh, in the position, or I should say ninth largest bank, to become the sixth largest bank with the acquisition of Discover. Um, and you will have the nation's single largest credit card issuer. So those are significant, and those are the sorts of things that, in this world that we live in, uh, not only raise the ire of antitrust regulators, both at the FTC and the Department of Justice, but also uh, take on a political tint. And we've already seen actually members of both parties in the Senate, Elizabeth Warren and Sherrod Brown on the Democratic side and Josh Hawley mm -hmm. on the Republican side, uh, raise questions about uh, whether this should be allowed to go through and, and in fact, uh, expressing their opposition to it. Um. What? How about the debt that Americans are carrying? Is there any relief, uh, do you think, with interest rates or anything like that? So we have surpassed pre-pandemic levels on credit card debt, and credit card interest rates are the most expensive we've ever seen. We track these daily and weekly at bank rate. Yesterday mm -hmm. we published our weekly average on credit card interest rates, and so the average for the best qualified borrowers, meaning those people who have high credit scores, is 20 and three quarters percent. Uh, obviously, you know, you look at store cards, you look at uh, less competitive cards, you get closer to 30 percent, and that's a rather punitive rate of interest. And the sense of is there relief in the offing? We believe there is, because the Federal Reserve, uh, while seeming to uh, be hesitant to cut interest rates. That was a message that we took away from the release of the meeting minutes that we got yesterday. It still believes that the Fed will be cutting rates in the second half of the year. And although there's a heck of a premium between the federal funds rate and the prime rate charged banks' best customers, uh, they are all correlated to credit card interest rates, very much so. And so if the Fed starts cutting, you can start seeing those credit card interest rates coming down. But about half of Americans allow their interest uh, or, or their debt to carry over month over month. And so that means that they're paying um, that high rate of interest mm -hmm. in allowing uh, that debt to carry over. And that's quite costly. But that's one of the things that's been happening in this environment where inflation has been historically high. Mark, what are some of the um, um, positive or negative implications of this deal if this deal goes through for consumers? Well, I think, first of all, uh, in the sense that both Capital One and Discover are seen as relatively smaller players up against the networks that are maintained by Visa and MasterCard, Discover has its own network. And so uh, what uh, Capital One has said is it would look to transition some of its transactions over to the Discover network and perhaps give Visa and MasterCard uh, a little better competition. I think there's no question that if you think about some of the uh, more powerful issuers like American Express and J.P. Morgan Chase, you know, they would become a more viable competitor and probably would uh, address that in coming up with new product offerings. Capital One, as we all know, has a very uh, aggressive promotional campaign as uh, exemplified in its commercials. It, you, you, 
seems like you can't sit down in front of the television for more than an hour or two and avoid one of them. And so it has a high degree of brand recognition. And that would probably be helpful in the sense of raising the profile of Discover, making it a more uh, competitive brand, which, by the way, its reputation right now is one that they're actually catering to uh, wealthier customers and those who have higher credit scores in terms of Discover. Yeah, on the positive side, Lloyd, we get to see a lot more of Jennifer Garner, okay? Um, when, when you look at this, and we know that when we're in an election year, uh, Mark, that, that any economic news tends to get thrust through a political lens. When you look yeah. at the level of consumer debt now, and you said it's beyond the pre-pandemic levels, is that a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, as a percentage of total spending, are we at record highs. What does it mean going forward in terms of just how leveraged U.S. households are? Well, they're leveraged to the extent that uh, that debt uh, has a price to be paid for. And that's true with, for example, automobiles, where even though loan uh, rates aren't nearly as high on an interest rate level for purchasing a new car, the expense of a new car uh, being averaging around $50,000 since you're at Motor City, um, you know, that's significant, and, and that's combined with the high cost of insurance, which is going through all kinds of sort of structural and cyclical issues right now. Uh, all these things cause strains on households. And, you know, what happened with the inflation that began with the pandemic is that uh, somewhere between one-fifth and one-quarter of Americans' purchasing power was essentially destroyed because that's how much higher uh, prices are compared to then. And we're still seeing it with food. We're still seeing it with things like car insurance, and we're seeing it with shelter, high home prices. So, you know, every little sort of stab at that purchasing power is hurtful, and it, it stands in the way of allowing Americans to accomplish their financial goals. And we have mm-hmm. talked for years here the Americans are undersaved, and only 44% of Americans have enough money to pay an emergency expense of $1,000 or more from savings, mostly paycheck to paycheck. Uh, Mark, what about fraud? If Capital One becomes bigger, owns the rails, could they prevent fraud easier? Well, that is an interesting question. I think, you know, you want to have sort of a, a great deal of robust uh, process in place to combat fraud when it seems as if you know, the fraudsters that exist all around the world uh, are almost one step ahead of the game. And so, you know, cyber uh, security, uh, the emergence of AI, all of these things are sort of a, a war that's going on. And so more powerful players are in a position to use more powerful tools. And I, and I, and I know that is certainly a concern of the industry as well, because, you know, they don't want to lose your money any more than you do. Very quickly, Mark, before we let you go, you look at bankrate.com. What's the best deal out there today? Well, what I'd simply say is the one thing that we really do urge everybody to do is to shop around for the best rate for a high-yield savings account. And while we bemoan the fact that uh, borrowing rates are the most expensive in a generation, well, so too are the savings rates. And mm-hmm. so that's a way to, to police against this problem of having to use a credit card is to pay yourself first and take that money out of your own account, and then the bank doesn't have to pay it for you. Good advice. Mark Hamm.